0: Hello, financial feminists. Welcome back to the show. Oh, guys. Oh, my God. Okay. Today's guest is a big deal for me. I literally told her before we recorded about the fact that I was the most devout follower of hers in college. I would sit in front of my mirror in my college dorm room and try to learn her songs And I never succeeded because this woman raps so fast, but literally have been a fan of hers for a decade. I spent the entire day before this interview blasting her albums. Her music always has me feeling ready to go. And fun fact, this is actually the first interview we did for Financial Feminist Season 2. So, it's a conversation that takes some lovely twists and turns. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about record deals, touring, astrology, cultural appropriation, TikTok, content creation, and this myth around feeling like you've quote unquote made it. I think we all kind of chase this feeling of trying to make it. And if we're lucky to get to a place where we have a significant event in our life where we do feel like we've potentially made it. What does that actually mean for our success? What does that mean for where we go next? And we just had the best time chatting. Today's guest is none other than the incredible Queen Herbie. You might remember her from her YouTube days where her and her husband Nick, formerly the band Carmen, you can remember them. Don't you leave me broken hearted tonight. You remember that one? Pop sensation summer song of 2011 and they also had one of the most viral moments like original viral moments with their cover of look at me now since then queen has performed all over the world signed a record deal dumped said record deal and is now taking on the world as an independent artist she also has this incredible vegan makeup line called queen studio and it's just an overall total powerhouse I'm so excited for you to listen in on this thoughtful conversation between Amy, aka Queen Herbie, and I. So let's go ahead and get into it. Hi, Hi. I'm so excited to have you. I adore you. First Rebecca, of all, no, no, stop. I'm, I will, I will fully cry. So I'm <laughs> trying to keep my, I'm trying to keep my chill. I literally told my team, I was like, this interview is just going to be me, like, fangirling and rambling Not. for 45 minutes. No, it is. Um, can you give me a brief breakdown mm-hmm. of your kind of musical history from the Look At Me Now cover
1: mm-hmm. all the way to where you are now? Damn. A brief history. It does fly by. I will say that. Because it's been over a decade. It has. And now being uh, under a different moniker. Is that the right word? Sure. Because we have also Money Long, one of my good friends from back in the day. Mm-hmm. She used to go by Priscilla, uh, Renea, and she's now Money Long. And blowing up, she's her songs like Top 20 on Billboard. Wow. From TikTok. Hello. Independent artist. I've got a question about that later. Love it. Um, so yes, I used to be Amy from Nebraska. Yep. Who was so excited to get out into the big city and find herself. And I went to Berklee College of Music in Boston. I met my partner, Nick. We started Carmen, which is like, I mean, we wanted it to be like an acoustic hip hop duo, which at the time, you know, that was pretty ambitious. Yeah. I don't think the world was ready for that. But we blew up on YouTube yep. with a Look at Me Now cover, the Busta Bust Rhyme song. I was just imitating as best as I could, my favorite rappers, and signed a deal, had some hits. Woke up one day like, why are we basically just doing something completely different than what Mm. we wanted to do? Finally had some money and started Queen Herbie, but that took another five years to get to today.
0: Was it always, not the plan, but were you thinking the entire time, like, we'll just do this to get to this? Does that make sense? Of like, we'll get our foot in the door. Right. We'll play by the rules. And then once we're in the door, then we'll do the shit we want to
1: do. It feels like everything, every step we take, every project we drop, we're like fully believing that this is it. Sure. So was it in the plan for it to roll this way? Did I know that, you know, signing a deal and becoming this and then going away from that and then now now when fans are discovering Queen and realizing that it was Carmen before. I'm seeing the TikTok comments.
0: It's hysterical. Did
1: not expect that. Yeah. I think Nick, my partner, would say otherwise. He had a master plan, or maybe he mm. just had some foresight. Yeah. But I've, I'm have i just always, like, every song I drop, I'm like, this is it. Yep. You Gotta be that way, I feel like, in music.
0: Yep. So I was telling you this before, but I've been with you literally since 2012, and the Hello album. Crazy. And that was, yeah, that was my shit in college. And, like, I know every word of that album, and I sat there, yeah. like Shout out
1: to all the OGs.
0: I, I, I literally sat there. So for those who don't know, and you can Google it, you used to wear your hair pretty much in every performance, I feel like. Yes. In a, like... For me, it was the most complicated hairstyle I'd ever fucking seen. Because I sat there at in my college dorm room, and I was like, how do I make my hair do it? And it's called, what, a suicide roll, right? Yeah. It's like very, is it 50s, 40s? It is. I Yeah, it is. It's yeah. like some post-war And it look. looks so good on you. It's and very I was Rosie so fascinated. Yeah. I was like, how do I do this? And so I've been with you for a really long time. And I remember, I think early in, in the Carmen days, you were saying that initially, like, rapping felt weird to you mm. as, like, a classically trained musician. Mm. Can you tell me more about why that felt weird?
1: Well, growing up in conservative Nebraska household with sure. a pastor for a grandfather and the whole there is now I'm uncovering a lot of the suppression and sort of the emotional yeah. neglect and things that you have growing up and then and culturally it was just way different in America back then. Even six years ago it was different. Right. You know, two right. years, a year ago. We're in some of the biggest change we've ever seen in this country. But yeah. I would say it was probably weird for me because I didn't think as a little white girl from Nebraska, that that was okay to do. I mean, my parents were telling me, no, th- no cursing, no this, no sex, no right. drugs. I
0: have a question about that in a second. But like, Look At Me Now, your cover of Look At Me Now has no cursing whatsoever.
1: I had to do it. I'm glad I did because the fans that came from that were young and I was not ready to talk about, I mean, I don't, you know, Black culture is everything. Like, it's my entire inspiration, I'm realizing now. Like, yeah. all the artists I listen to, everything, um... I do musically is pretty much inspired by Black. I mean, Black people made rock and roll. It's like the the Lizzo lyric in her song. It's fascinating how uncomfortable I was with it in the beginning. And now as I've learned and educated myself, I love it more than I have ever loved hip hop.
0: Yeah. I think with that sound change, it came an aesthetic change too, right? So it went from like, it was super poppy. There was like a bunch of horns and stuff. And then yeah, it was a library. Like you were wearing these elaborate hairstyles and these like bright patterns, and yeah. now like it couldn't be more different. Yeah. Um, was it like a gradual change, or was there a moment where everything shifted, where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore?
1: Mm. I'm finding out. I went to see an astrologer. There's a whole bunch of funny history on how we got out of the record deal. I mean, that was I, a miracle. again. I have questions later <laughs> about that too. Crazy. He, he he's. I always credit him. His name is Gall. He's uh, thecosmicnavigator.com. <laughs> Changed my life and a bunch of my friends' lives. So, at this point, I'm like, let's promote him. Okay, cool. Because Carmen ended up making Leo Rising, an album based on the Zodiac signs after this dude. Like, he's incredible. But he's the first person who told me I was a designer. So, Mm. what I will bring this back to is when I create, as a creator, I create music, it has to have a visual element. Just like that hairstyle really grabbed you. Right, right. Me too, girl. Like, I was like, when I did my hair like that and put on some fake eyelashes and real lipstick, I was like and this bitch well, was is a, rapping. It like, was a perfect brand move too because it was very distinct,
0: right? Like for sure. I associated, oh, that's the broken-hearted girl, right? Or like it yeah. was very much like I knew I knew the the aesthetic and connected it immediately with what
1: the music was. And like that makes me salivate. I love <laughs> that intersection of like yeah. the visual and the audio and like inspiring people and building worlds. So I'm slowly making new friends and acquaintances that are really good at this. Yeah. And so I think it was an unconscious choice at the time to go back to my dark hair and like right. get lip injections. And, you know, like I was like everything I always wanted to do, but I didn't because I sure. thought my parents would be upset. Mm. I was like, okay, I'm 35. Yep. Let me just start making my own choices. So I was like, what would, what would I wear if I, if I had so much self-worth and confidence that I was calling myself a queen? And the visual that came out of it was very different.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned the record deal. For listeners who don't know, the majority of artists who end up signing a record deal make pretty much nothing, mm. right? Or they end up owing money back to a label. Mm. And so the stats, the research we did, say that 5% of artists make any money off a deal. Mm. But yet there's this like idea that signing a record deal means you've made it. Mm-hmm. Can you shed some light on the idea of like a 360 deal? And why artists often get burned by that deal.
1: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. This part is really exciting to me. I was just having a meeting with some friends yesterday. We were like, oh, my God, what if we started a label? Yeah. Because it's a terrifying idea now that we've been through the system and we've seen the broken parts and the little bits that are pretty traumatic about the industry. Um, A 360 deal is basically you're giving up... Let's see, our Carmen deal was probably eighty-seven percent of the master, which when you buy a song on iTunes, nobody's buying songs anymore. Some people. Right. But the stream is, by the way, point zero zero three three cents is what you get from a stream on Spotify. And it's different. Literally have a
0: question about that. So yeah. let's let's go there. So streaming's so convenient for me as someone as a consumer of music. Same. Right? Nothing more convenient. Nothing. Yet I know from musician friends, from doing some research, right, that it is, like, the worst deal for the artist.
1: Mm. Why do it then? Is it just because, is it a necessary evil? It is. And, you know, what it kind of did, which is unfortunate, this is, like, why I feel a way about it, is if you can get hundreds of millions of streams, it's very much a solid living. Sure. Sure but the gap between, right? Right. right. And that comes back to my passion about design and building a brand and giving you that visual experience paired with it, a fantasy, a world, a community. A
0: feeling. Like, this
1: is how I feel about NFTs. I'm like, Queen is not going to do NFTs until she has built a utility that's valuable that people are going to want to go to. So to me, it's always been about more than the music. If you want to just make some beats and sing some things and you don't want to tour, you don't want to talk to your audience, you don't want to do these things, Mm -hmm. yeah, streaming sucks. Right. Right. Because you're not going to make much money from that. So you got to think big that this is why we ended up doing the cosmetics. We're thinking about getting in cannabis. It's like this mm. whole—you can really start building your world in the real world. But, man, I, I really do want to help artists understand how to make a sustainable career independently. It's possible. Yeah. I'm proof.
0: Right. Yeah, so that idea of making it with the record deal— like yeah, what was that process? And then yeah, back to the like the three sixty deal of what does the average person who's never gonna sign a record deal not know about that experience?
1: So here's how it works artist walks in. Now they've probably today they've had to blow themselves up on TikTok first. Right. Right. Before anybody's going to give a fuck, I was, can I, I'm allowed to curse? Yo, God, yeah. Before anybody can give a fuck, right. uh, it, they have to blow up their selves up on TikTok. So they have a song, right. and the label will sign them to a 360 deal and say, hey, let let us alley-oop you, because you can have a, a hit on TikTok for two weeks and it's gone. It's very quick. Very quick. Hit songs are much shorter-lived, but they're still very valuable if you can do it multiple times. Yeah. But the label is supposed to take that and keep you at 40,000 feet In exchange, you then give them 87% of the master, but they do give you a cash advance.
0: It's very similar to publishing because I just signed a publishing deal and just did a podcast deal. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. It's very similar.
1: It is. It's it's a licensing deal if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. You don't give them your name in perpetuity. You just license them your music for X amount of time. It might be 12 years. They're pretty long. Yeah. Um. Man, our first record deal, I still have the contract. It's like 50 pages. Uh, make sure you have a good lawyer to walk you through every paragraph. Which, if
0: you're an independent artist,
1: who's paying for that? You're paying for that. You're paying for that. Um, or
0: not an independent artist because you're signing a
1: deal. But like, if you're just getting started with the Carmen deal, we had a lawyer on retainer for five percent. So you can wow. you can have you can just give somebody. So let's say you get a, a, a record advance of like a hundred thousand dollars. You can give the lawyer five thousand when, when that deal is done. Right. You give your manager fifteen to twenty. So now look what happens, Tori. You have two hundred thousand, uh-huh. which is now down to seventy five, or and you're paying uh, taxes on that money, and so ta- the money actually going in your pocket is a lot less. You better go buy some of these microphones right. and write them off, you right? Know? Right. <laughs> right. And don't go, and don't eat up all the studio time because the other part of the the record deal, the three hundred and sixty deal, label is paying for your recording sessions, which you could easily do five hundred thousand dollars an hour. Now you have mic fees, engineer fees, right. mixing fees, producer fees. Right. I'm so. Lucky and fortunate that my partner produces my music, Yep, along with Pompano Puff. Shout out, Pompano Puff. <laughs> um, they're incredibly talented, and we, we figured out our situation. where, like, let's all do this independently and make a living from it. Right. But in a record deal situation, producers will just charge you, you know, 5, 10, 20, 40, you mm-hmm. know, some larger producers, 40 mm-hmm. grand a track. Track. This becomes a recoupable tab at the label. So now you've opened a tab. You're at the bar and you're buying shots. And they're recouping you at, what, 87% off the top? The statistic I heard is that 2%, actually. 2% of oh, so artists. Oh, it's even
0: less than 5%. Yeah.
1: Recoup to get to the next phase of the contract where they get it in advance again. Does this make sense? So yeah. you've got phase one. Try to recoup. Eventually, our lawyer was like, don't try to recoup. Spend their money. Get your right. fame. Get your accolades. Right. And
0: then. Go to the American Music Awards. Do that right. shit. Right. Well, and that's assuming, right, that most people are taking multiple. Well, and I want to talk to that. Point about with you releasing EPs at the level at the pace you guys did because right. usually it's what you rate two, three years
1: in yep. between albums, and now you're like, and the reason you're doing that because they have 50 artists, right? Right, and anytime. Billie Eilish they- is going to get priority right. over your record, <laughs> right. so then your date keeps getting pushed back, you can't do anything promotional, you can't put anything out because they have an exclusive. Record deal with you. So then you're on TikTok trying to blow your song up.
0: Right. Are you making money in that time? I guess you're out touring, If you tour,
1: and they do sometimes have ancillary, so they'll take 10, 20% of your touring as well, and merch. You know, merch um, merch yeah. deals are kind of shitty. So I stay downtown, Los Angeles, right in the fashion district. So I can yeah. go buy blanks. I can get them printed locally, which is what we do. Yeah. But it's it's a lot of schlepping. It's a lot of... Indie is not for everybody. Yeah. I always say that. Like... I'm in here doing my own hair and makeup because that would also go on the recoupable tab. You're also very good at it. So. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Also, yeah, I, it's kind of a ritual for me. I feel like it helps me center myself and, and be the character mm. I need to be for the performance.
0: As a theater person, I get that. Right? Totally. It's like you dress rehearsal is the first time you actually feel like the person you're embodying. So valuable. Because you get on your shoes and you get on your wig. Or mm. you get on, it's the shoes. And it's the Every shoes. Every time. It's the shoes. <laughs> so you've got the record deal. And then what you guys ended up
1: doing was getting out of it. Yeah, which was kind of a miracle. That's just why we...
0: I was going to... So what is the process of getting out of it? And then do you retain any of the rights to any of your music when you do that?
1: They... So ours was, I think, a 12. i am Let's just say these numbers are fake because I can't remember. Sure. Been a while. But um, we're probably about time to go check in with them and see what's up. But 12 years... Because, uh, well,
0: yeah, if, if Hello is 2012.
1: Totally. We're right? getting close.
0: That's 10 years. Okay,
1: everybody pray that we're recouped. <laughs> <I don't.
0: laughs> because the masters do revert. They do. Because that was my next question. Because I don't think you bought your masters from Epic, did no. you? We're, yeah.
1: Okay. No, we're going to let them make their money back. I huh. really do appreciate L.A. Reed for, for believing in us so much. I mean, they really invested in us. Yeah. And I can't even be mad about that. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. It was like a master class. Sure. Those five years. Sure.
0: So getting out, what was that process?
1: Went to an astrologer, got a <laughs> birthday gift visit. Okay.
0: I don't think many people said, get out of record deals and the first step was <laughs> like, I needed to go have my chart read.
1: This had to have been a destiny thing. Yeah, I got so spiritual. Of course, moving to California will make you buy crystals and go to the ocean. Woo
0: woo. I am like I. I have an energy coach, which we can talk about if you want. But like that was a big step for me, and even still feels woo woo. Like I'll I'll tell her things where I'm like, "This is too woo woo," and the reason is because you're
1: so brilliant. You're so smart. Stop it. That's what it is. Thank you.
0: I started working with her to get myself out of my comfort zone mm. where I was like, okay, I know I'm very analytical. and mm-hmm. I'm like, I need you to bring me into my body because all I do is think and overthink and overthink again. And and if I so, could just have
1: five minutes in your brain, I feel like I could I could do, you, do it. I don't.
0: You would. You, <laughs> it would, just would be insane. You.
1: <laughs> you don't want five minutes in this fucking brain. If you just ever want to DM me some ideas that you just want to get out,
0: oh, please, girl, I time. will use
1: them. 18-year-old you know?
0: me is throwing <laughs> up out of excitement right now. It's so fun. <laughs> okay, record deal. So you're in it. You went to the astrologer, yes. and he said what to you?
1: And I am skeptical as fuck right yeah. now. I'm like, he he sends an email confirming the time, and I'm I'm hungover. It's like a birthday <laughs> gift. I'm like hungover to the point where I know I'm going to throw up. Like, it's a bad hangover. I'm like, what was, I was like 20, I forget, 26, 25. And he says, oh, don't forget to bring your birth time. I'm like, birth time? We're gonna call my mom. Where am I gonna I gotta, find this? Yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna call. I'm not gonna call my mom hungover. And somehow I go in the office and I open this book and I, my birth certificate is in it. I'm like, who? Nobody knows where their birth certificate is. Usually, it's not like. Wait, you have it? It had just that day when I needed it, right before the astrology reading. Huh. It was in my. I was like, how did this even get here? Birth time. Boom. Got it. Two ten p.m. April 29th. Whatever. So I bring it. So I'm like, thank God. Because he couldn't do an accurate reading without right. it. Right. And this dude, like, proceeds to read my life. Like, I'm crying. I end up going and throwing up in the bathroom because like, I'm hungover too. It was this emotional, like, purging. Okay. He's, so my, my skeptic immediately goes, yes. you're a famous person. You have a bunch of information yeah, available exactly. uh, online. My assumption as well. Did somebody go Google you? My assumption and as then, well. It's things that he was saying to me are things that only I knew. And one of them was really strange. He said, um, your relationship with your mom is like you were her mom in a past life. And I was like, that's a strange thing to say and have it resonate. Yeah,
0: because you're either like this makes complete sense, or you're completely bullshitting. It
1: me. gets personal like that, and then he, he'll even tell you he'll lay your chart on a map of Earth and tell you like the cities that are most energetically serving for you. That's why I asked you where you are based out of, and it's it's cool like to move around. What and were find your cities? It.
0: No, okay, I'm curious. It was
1: Atlanta, okay, D- Detroit. Mm. It was like East Coast vibes, okay. So I'm still kind of trying to figure that out because I'm a California girl. Right. And you have different lines that give you different energy. So Nebraska for me was definitely like old tradition. I like moved past those lessons. L.A. is much more about money and fame. So that worked out. But I think ultimately I got to end up somewhere on the East Coast. We'll see. Mm. But he told us how to get out of the record deal. Can you believe this? He's like, oh, L.A. Reid, yeah, he's a Gemini. Okay, let me look at the dates. He's like, you need to call him by this date. And by, the end, by July 1st, it'll be resolved. Oh, and your partner, Nick, has to do the talking. And I was like, oh, shit. He never wants to talk to the man. He's like, right. no, my girl, you're my girl, you're my star. But he listened to the phone conversation, was reasonable, and by July 1st, we had an exit contract overnighted to us. So crazy. Can you walk
0: me through, if you're willing to be transparent, like, mm. what what did you say to get out? Well, Nick said,
1: uh, hey, man. It was after Acapella. Do you remember that song Acapella? Of course, I do. I'm not it was kind rap. of Go blowing Go everybody's up. mind because it was hey. a it was a ra- it was a rap record, I kind of pop rap. It was off of Pulses, wasn't it? Was that your lead singer yeah. off of Pulses? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we were so excited about it. Also,
0: it I love I want it all. That did not get enough love as it should have. Agreed. Disco funk class, classic. So good. And
1: I, and I wrote that with Esther Dean, who's one of the oh, greatest songwriters she's of all so time. so good.
0: She's so good. Incredible. For those of you who don't know, she's on Songland. She's incredible. Which is how I actually connected with Zach, who's our new <gasps> mutual friend.
1: How bizarre. So because This so how small the world is.
0: Well, so many people actually who follow me are like Songland alums. Absolutely. Weirdly. I don't know why. But yeah, she's mm-hmm. on Songland, wrote for Rihanna, uh, wasn't pitch perfect randomly, yep. wrote for a bunch of people. But Hell yeah.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. So that's why you love the song. Because it was pretty much her writing it in five minutes and us like trying oh to, you know. Oh God. And we, cool. love, we loved working together because she's like a great singer and I can like... Like, yeah. kind of hang and she <laughs> kind taught, of hang, she taught me she taught me so much about lyric writing oh she's so valuable but that was yeah that was a cappella time and and they were like um, we can't get it on the radio but it's the best selling song on all of Sony but we can't get the radio to play it they won't play female rap and I was what like what year
0: was this? this was what like 2014, 2015? yeah Nicki Minaj is out there she was singing oh she
1: was singing starships
0: you're right. are mm-hmm. yeah you're right Hmm.
1: so she knew what to do she's so smart yep She knew knew what to do. And she was already established for rap, too. They they were still trying to make me more Katy Perry. And it it was very confusing branding times. Yeah. And so that's really ultimately why we had to get out for creative reasons. Just L.A. wanted to send us to to London and to work with, like, you know, I don't know what kind of music he was hoping to— and he loved he loved my rap and my hip-hop project. Right. Like, I would make Lauren Hill-type shit. Yeah. And he would he would call me, like, the middle of the night. Oh, my God, this record isn't— But he wouldn't push it. He wouldn't, like, invest in it yeah. because he knew. He's smart enough to know we have to put out what they're playing on the radio.
0: Yeah, well, and it felt very—even, like, Brokenhearted, right? It was like—it was a singing record where you rapped on the bridge.
1: And they took it out in some Midwestern cities. We had to make an alternate version without the rap. It was very touchy. So this is why I'm so thrilled to be where we are. Yep. Because we finally not only have hip-hop back on the radio, but it's women of color at the top of the charts. Right. This is my dream. This is like what I've always wanted. Totally.
0: You are a white woman in a black genre. Absolutely. And you faced some backlash for that. Yes. What drew you to rap and hip-hop in the first place? Mm. And can you talk... How you've entered a conversation about cultural appropriation, and what you've learned over the past couple of years of mm-hmm. doing
1: this. What made me fall in love with hip hop was the Dr. Dre Chronic 2001 album, mm-hmm. which was given to me by my sixth grade boyfriend. I still have <laughs> in it. Nebraska. It was a burned copy now, you yeah. know. And I'm pretty sure. Actually, I have to see. I have to pull it out and see if it was if it was clean or I, I doubt it. 'Cause I really wanted to know like about bitches and hoes. I mean, I was so sheltered. Yeah. But I knew that there was a world big much bigger yep. out there. And I went I went through to, a very
0: similar experience. Man. Not with rap music specifically, but more just
1: realizing I think a lot of us did.
0: Yeah. Realizing I was like, Oh that's,
1: that's why during that halftime show, we were all crying. All of us. Mm. Our entire generation was like, This is this is everything. Yeah. This is incredible. So that was um when Kendrick came out of those boxes, <laughs> I, I, Anderson I, Fox I, on the drums. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my God, incredible!" So, so it was definitely like a some type of a soul connection. Yeah, but R and B music, which was big right. in the in the nineties, early two thousands, we got you know um, TLC, we had One Twelve, we had uh, Brian McKnight, right? Obsessed. Destiny and Child, obviously. Brandy. right? Brandy. my oh, life. Yeah. Totally. So they would have rap features on their singles sometimes. Right. Like Mace would be on the Brandy song. Um, Mariah Carey would have Jay-Z. Heartbreaker was like, I would just jump on my bed and scream. Like, that was my shit. Yeah. So I don't know why. And a lot of my friends listen to country. So it's very different. I was just enjoying kind of having the attention for being different. And I think that's really what happens, continues to happen Today, I had a lot of learning to do when the appropriation conversations came up. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I'm having fragility. Right. I'm, like, terrified. I need to do more reading. And and I remember when it came up, too, I was silent. That was, like, my first reaction. And I think as— Yeah, you shut down. Yes. Yep. So typical. Move downtown, Black Lives Matter movement erupted locally. Like, we were able to walk out our door and join protests daily. Right. It was the greatest—I was, like, meant to be there at the time. And so now I've gotten much more comfortable in practicing communicating about it because okay. I think white female artists in the past didn't really speak up about it. So I guess my advice is for any white females that are listening that are also obsessed with black culture like I am, um, it's a daily practice. Right. Anti-racism and, and doing the work. It doesn't just end after you read— White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. One of my favorite books is Me and White Supremacy by Layla F. Saad. Like, so helpful. Journaling prompts. Yep. You have to basically pull the racism out of yourself. Because, well, and
0: acknowledge it's there in the first place. Thank you. Yeah. So, it's interesting because I had my own thing where I actually shared one of your songs. And I had a person who is in the financial community who is a black female mm-hmm. tell me this is cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is... A white woman taking our culture. Absolutely. And profiting off of it. Correct. And like She's so, not wrong. Right. So for you, I'm even uncomfortable asking you this question, right? Because I'm a fan of your music and, of course, a fan of you. Thank you for
1: being honest. But so it's, do it's you also— feel that, Do you feel that feeling, like, here?
0: Oh, it's it's, it's like buzzing, in my— Yeah, it's, it's like— Sweaty I, hands. It's the, I don't want to say something wrong, right? Yeah. But I also acknowledge that if you're black and listening to this, you might be calling bullshit on me and calling bullshit on you, right? That's so mean. I'm like— how do you get your mind around that? Is it a love of
1: this, mm-hmm. and so it's like I'm celebrating
0: this, but at the same time, you can't fully celebrate if you've never experienced
1: it, right? Mm-hmm. This alone is like I was saying uh, with the when you're feeling um, fragility, yeah, um, it's really stamina that you're building. This is like going to the gym for us to change a society that's literally built on white supremacy, right? Like our entire society, it's systemic, all of it. We were all we're all a part of this um to be able to change that takes a lot of stamina. Yeah. So I'm I'm just grateful that we're able to talk about it and then always if you're called out, if you're called in, especially yeah. by some a person of color, it is so important to apologize. Right. Listen, well listen, yeah, apologize and do better. Right. Like I love learning just in general, but about this especially, I've found that I'm always learning. Yeah. Constantly, and I love it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think you do a great job too, especially since it was really, it was Sade in the 90s was like the big, Big. the big blowout. Absolutely. Right. Can you talk a bit about like what happened there and then what you learned from that experience? Because I think you have done a great job, especially since then, of like bringing
1: in other artists and amplifying other people in that space too. For sure. And I've always been very vocal about who inspires me. Yeah. Right. But around that time too, because nobody knew who Queen Herbie was. They didn't know, oh, she was this girl from Carmen who blew up for rapping. Right. You know, and like 2011, (laughs) correct. So I, it, I could have done a much better job of bridging that story Mm -hmm. and explaining my process and my reasoning for where I ended up visually and sonically. Sure. Um, because to be fair, like if I was somebody who didn't know this person, I would have said the same thing. Yeah. But when you're in, when you're in, uh, like Nick always says, it's like you're up its ass. You, you, (laughs) you can't step away and see. Oh, you're in
0: the thick of it, and you're getting
1: yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe like wearing braids and having a spray tan that day and surrounding mm. myself with beautiful women of color yep. was too far. So since then, we've kind of discussed it with our whole team. Most of my creative team for that video uh, were Black people. So yep. it was like not their job. no, nope. Not their job to regulate. And I didn't have, like I said, any of that knowledge. I was very unaware, very privileged. Yeah. And ironically, it created more attention than I expected, and then it forced me to do some learning.
0: And I appreciate you acknowledging that. I think I didn't plan on bringing this up today, but one of the things I'm really nervous about as someone who now has a platform, yeah, is that I'm not nervous of making a mistake because I will,
1: babe. You're doing incredible. No,
0: but no, like mistakes will happen. I'm a human person, right? Of but it's it's hoping that I've built the kind of community where not only will they give me feedback, mm. right? But they will also give me the mercy and the space to mm. be able to learn
1: from that to mistake. To listen and change, yeah.
0: I'm scared that that won't happen. Babe. No, but it's
1: it's an honest, I don't know if you feel this way. But it's like, terrifying, yeah.
0: I feel that fear. Mm. Um, and again, it's like, it's so... It's Especially
1: the, when you're so passionate and you want to help.
0: And, and I'm Leslie Nope, and I'm like, I want you to love me, and I, I want to woo you, and I want you to to see my heart and see my intentions are good. <sighs> and it's also, I mean, these problems are so small compared to the actual plight of black and brown people, yes. right? Like, these are white person problems. Correct. Of, like, we're talking about, like, how do I be anti-racist, and how do I, like, not not feel weird when I get called out? But, like, mm-hmm. my— Right. Mm-hmm. And my fear, though, is, like, that the— The community I've built, I hope to God that they will, yes, 100% keep me accountable and that they will offer the sort of space to allow me to Mm. change and learn as opposed to pitchforks and torches. Good for you. Do you feel that same, like,
1: pressure or that same concern? So, going back to Shoddy in the 90s experience. Right.
0: Which was a song—we didn't clarify. This was a song off—was it EP2? Yep. Two two
1: or three. Yeah. Oh, I think it was three. Yeah. Yes. Um... Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay, because it was a pink coat. Right? Yes. And that was
1: three. I. It was so terrifying that I. I clammed up and went silent. I actually called my black friends and was like, "What should I do? I made it their problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is typical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical. No,
0: but yeah. yeah and actually, I think that's
1: the first time I admitted that publicly. I, I. like called my black friends and asked them what to do, as if yeah. this was their issue. Yeah. Horrible. I mean, this is hor- this behavior is is privilege at its finest. Right. You have to trust that your intention. Now, intention is a very uh, iffy word on this. Topic because you're also like well your how attention do we know? And your impact are two different things right, right thank right. you you have to kind of trust God or the universe or whatever spiritual woo woo you have mm-hmm. in you that your purpose and and what you're going to do is going to be positive and I do firmly believe that if you're willing to listen and learn yeah. and change there's nobody that can tear you down for that I don't think yeah now there are people out there that are hurting understandably yeah yep and I can trigger people for several other reasons too mm-hmm. you know I as a woman talking about the patriarchy Woman all online? week oh in my, my house. God. I'm like, dang, I didn't even realize like I'm a feminist now. Like how did this happen? I'm <laughs> rapping about having a dick. Like <laughs> these are important, you know, but Nikki was doing that 10 years ago, right? right? She paved the way, right? She opened. And so this is, this is what we need to do as white artists in the space is acknowledge that. Yeah.
0: I appreciate you. Yeah. Cause I wanted to bring it up, but it's, uh, it's tricky to talk about.
1: You're excellent. You're doing an excellent job. Oh,
0: stop. Yep. That was not keep, what I was looking up for. Keep
1: going. <laughs> yes.
0: We were talking before about like streaming, record deal, all of these things. Mm. What impact, both positively and negatively, did the pandemic have on your ability to make money as an artist? Mm.
1: I was about to go on tour. Were you really? Mm, I was so excited to see because you babies. haven't been on tour as Queen Herbie, correct? Shit. Yeah, I was so excited because you know when it comes to tour, the visual, the,
0: it, oh, the, and meeting people were like. So I have not met my audience in real life, like other than people like recognize me and me on the street. Like, oh, you need to go on tour. That's the plan. Yes. But again, literally blew up during COVID. And it was like, this was not, the opportunity was not
1: here. Yeah. And your reach is much larger. What I learned during the pandemic, the panoramic, the panoramic, the Pamela Anderson, the, the Panini, but the Panini is that you can make a living off the internet and you can reach potentially more people. It's a different connection. Yeah. You know, being live right. in IRL is so wonderful. But I, we also had been in it for what? That would have been year four.
0: So, of Queen Herbie? Specifically? Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. So going back to the record deal versus doing it independently. I love this book called The Compound Effect. Our whole, hmm. my partner and I like, cause we're, we're married as well. So it's right. like our whole lives are, are, are us. Again, I got a question about that. Later we too. are obsessed with the compound effect when we did, when we blew up for the YouTube covers back in 2010, it was, we were posting every week the for like 18 months, like two videos a week and, and eventually had one go. And it was from experimenting with things we weren't Comfortable doing, yeah. pushing yourself, even talking about mm. appropriation—like doing things you're uncomfortable with—always will lead to good shit. Yeah, because you're going to become better, right? And if you're willing to always become better, you will be. Yeah. So I know whenever I tour, it's going to be incredible. But I know now I'm so confident that I can make a living doing this, and I think I now have the tools and the time to help other people do that too.
0: Were you not confident before?
1: Oh, I wasn't sure. The first the first EP went up, and I think the first month we made. Like seven hundred dollars, and this coming out, this coming off of Carmen. So we were like, "Oh shit, did we did we fuck this up?" The industry was like, "Oh, she's this was a bad move." Imagine that, that having to sit with that discomfort. So at that Being point, I was told like, by huh, and having to know and commit to like, no, I'm going to rap now. We're you know we're doing this. I'm changing my look. I'm going to start. I'm going to talk shit. Right? Parents not on board.
0: Well, and you went from. Something. Of course you worked very hard to get the deal, worked very hard to all these things, and then it became safe.
1: Right. Is that accurate? Like, it was yep.
0: safe and comfortable. Oh, it felt like a job.
1: And you didn't want it to feel like a job? Only when I was with the listeners and the fans on tour did it not feel like a job. Mm. So when you get off tour and go back to your, your house in the valley and you're like, it's 100 degrees out and, like, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. And I can't get the label on the phone. Like, they don't want to hear the single. They want me to go to London. I was like, oh, God. It was time to break away. And we love being pioneers. We love doing new things. And we'd just seen the birth of Spotify. So it was a perfect Mm -hmm. timing, too, where we were like, oh, shit, maybe we could make money on our own. Right. Terrifying, though. Yeah.
0: Well, and just the commitment to not only going out on your own, but understanding that your business partner Mm -hmm. is your life partner.
1: Mm -hmm. And... I don't recommend it for everybody. I was going to say, and (laughs) every decision
0: that you make has to not only, of course, be made collaboratively, both creatively and personally, Mm. but directly
1: affects your career and your home life. Hard to separate it. And then he's he's talking about, I want to be a producer. I can do this. I'm like, oh, babe. Right. The studio goes in the living room. So we are constantly... And I'm kind of your guinea pig. Yes. (laughs) right but I was like I don't want to do it with anybody else of course we called course. we called Pompano Puff right away because <laughs> we had done a, we did actually we did this beautiful cover of Pure Imagination from uh, Charlie yeah. and the Chocolate Factory that was like the first one of the first records we did with Pompano Puff and he was like let me hear what y'all are working on We're like, okay so we play it and it was like the song Gucci it was one of the first ones I ever wrote oh my god and he was like let me get on that and we were like okay we we can we don't have to do this alone yeah you can build an amazing team And have people that are committed with you long term.
0: So in terms of the sustainability of being an independent artist Mm. in terms of making money, Mm.
1: where is the vast majority of the money coming from right now? Streaming. Okay. Mm-hmm. Once you get your music made and you're happy with the mix and master, you got to kind of assemble your team. You got producer, right. mix mix engineer, mastering, me. I, I well, and that's
0: assuming you write your own songs, which of course you do. Right. Which I do,
1: right. So, but plenty of people don't. Right. And there are songwriters as well. Right. I know many talented songwriters. I've worked with them on some of my... I have tons of friends who, yeah, that's that's what my, they do. Yep. Yep. You really can put a team together. As much as you can do by yourself is obviously better. You get the record, you upload it to a distribution platform like DistroKid or TuneCore. I'm a DistroKid girl. They're upping their ante. I mean, they've. I'm one of the top independent artists overall, which Which, is really. Congratulations. Thank you. So well deserved. It's like, it's such an honor, but it's great because they don't take any money. It's like 30 bucks a year. Okay. That's fantastic. Some people will sign a distro deal with like. A label or a subsidiary, right? To and distribute they take, the music, right? So they they just put it on iTunes and Apple, and they say we're going to get you on playlists. They don't always do it. No, there's nothing that it's says like they you sign a PR
0: company contract where they're like,
1: we'll they, get you on Forbes, and I'm like, will you though? Where is my money? Yeah, they take between twenty and forty percent. So that's like a record deal, but they're not doing. Sh- sorry, there some don't. some of them do, but I haven't found them. Sure. So my <laughs> Queen Herbie's recommendation. <laughs> You know, <laughs> for all of the aspiring because you're going to need to be on other. TikTok blowing your own shit up anyway.
0: So, I mean, obviously TikTok's been huge for us and has changed my life and you know our business. And you're a natural, thank you. Right yeah. back at you. but I think with the interesting thing about like you can't just be a good musician, mm. which is hard enough. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to mm. produce your music or at least get it produced. Right, you have to do all of the things around just like showing up and singing or rapping. Right all of the creation of that music. And then on top, oh by the way, you need to be a branding, marketing, social
1: media expert. Like that's that's a lot. Our biggest artists in the world right now are experts at the internet. Right. I love that for us. I used right. to get playlists on Spotify because I don't I don't get playlists, but when I do, I'm really excited and one of them was like internet people. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm an internet person? Great. Great. So my whole career, I've been told, like, when I blew up on YouTube, they're like, oh, well, you're just a YouTuber.
0: I'm I'm getting that now. Like, oh, you're a TikToker. Like, you're not a real financialist. I'm like—
1: They're just mad.
0: It's Well, and it's so new that people aren't comfortable with it. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but this is where people are going.
1: Like, when I get on Good Morning America, then is it legit? Right. Like, what is it for you that right. makes you—
0: so it's great. I wore they, a pencil skirt. Yeah, and you talked about
1: money. Is that, is that, would you like that better? <laughs> Should I get my boobs done or not? <laughs> this is really what this podcast. I don't is at. Need like, that, You I know, need, but we're taking a poll. I'll take some out, please. Queen queen like get some out? <laughs> <laughs> if it's, I get my tits done, there's there's so much to think about. <laughs> That's so much to think about. Yeah. That's why I love what you do because you're making it easier for women to not have to be so taboo on these topics. Like, I try to. Yeah, communication is so. Clutch. I do think the future is just media. Yeah, I'm like Queen Media. What is it? Right.
0: Right. Well, and and the again the like the pressure of all of that of like you can't just be super mega talented, Mm. which should be hypothetically enough and putting enough. Sure. Well, the
1: cool thing is a lot of people are talented.
0: Right. So So it's like you have to also
1: offer some more things. And I think this is where I'll bring in like the most—I love that you're skeptical about like the woo-woo stuff.
0: I am. I'm less skeptical than I was two years ago, but I'm still like, "Mm, am I putting a crystal in my goddamn pocket? I know
1: exactly the feeling. And I think this is the next thing for especially straight men to figure out because (laughs) they're not like emotional or feminine enough to flow with life. We have this book that we— just keep reading. It's called "Letting Go" by David Hawkins, and it's just—it's mm. the act. I know. <laughs> careful, I <can't>, I'm like <laughs> careful. I know <laughs> licensing, <laughs> licensing. <laughs> oh my god! But it's it. The theory is that um, if you are able to release things and not ooh, grasp onto them so tightly, they actually will flow perfectly into your experience, and that's the way I want to live. You were very publicly in a relationship. Yeah, and of course, still are. Mm.
0: What kind of toll did that take?
1: Mm, of this like, is maybe the biggest victory of my career so far is that I've been able to stay in a relationship with I someone. I remember even loved.
0: like when you went Queen Herbie, I was like Googling. I was that person who was like, are Amy and Nick Noonan's still
1: together." It's like Queen Herbie age. Queen Herbie husband divorced. Boyfriend?
0: Yeah, boyfriend
1: <laughs> gay. Question Queen her? Herbie boob job. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> But like, because you're not only, of course, yeah, your
1: business partners and your life partners. Like, yeah, it's, in
0: a record deal, out a record deal, touring. Yeah, because you toured as
1: Carmen, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The only explanation I have, because I don't, I can't even pretend to know everything. I always take it back to the spiritual woo-woo shit. It, it's the only thing that makes sense to me, and I'm That's a your very. Truth. Live it. I'm live a logical it. girl too, but yeah. when I'm writing lyrics, Tori, that is not me. I am channeling something else. I don't know if I'm changing my theta state in my brain and like there's somebody talking through me mm-hmm. it's like a higher it's the higher self mm-hmm. or god or whatever too. you want to call it yep. so i'm trying to talk to her more yep. and make this like a healthy thing for people to do this is why i'm they call me like the dominatrix of self-care cuz i'm very aggressively like, like no take bitch care of yourself yeah. you need a fucking bubble bath right now
0: <laughs> you need
1: therapy and i need you please. to talk to yourself yeah. or talk to you know a professional because you deserve it because you're incredible. You're gorgeous. Like none of this should be fucking with you. Yeah. If you're balanced and you know yourself and you let go. Right. It's that's it.
0: I I mean a lot of, of women especially, I mean you think of like Beyoncé, Sasha Fierce, right? I think Is it Glennon Doyle or Liz Gilbert who talk about, like, a
1: different version of
0: themselves? I'm trying to get them on this fucking podcast. Please come on the
1: podcast. Screaming. Big Magic is one of my favorite books.
0: Yeah, well, I think, doesn't she talk in Big Magic about, like, tapping into creativity and it almost feeling like a different person? Actually,
1: she's describing another writer's experience, how they, I forget who the poet is, but she said a poem would come like a wind from the south. Yeah. And you would have to catch it. And if you didn't, right. it would move on. Right. And those are ideas, that right?
0: creativity was like a siren or like a- It's a beautiful book. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she's incredible. They're incredible writers.
0: I call them my spirit mommies. Wow. So it's like Glennon Doyle, Brene Brown, Oprah, like <sighs> all of these women in my head who are higher versions of myself. For sure. Right? Who are just like, hi, They paved. They pave
1: the way for us, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. to come in now and like translate that for our generation, right? Or for this? Oh God, I
0: hope so. I in hope a financial I am,
1: flavor, I hope or I'm in a music flavor. Ten
0: percent of those women, yeah. Like, I want,
1: yeah. You, and ab- f- you, absolutely are that.
0: I'm not fishing. I, I want no. I'm <laughs> just I appreciate to, it, Amy, but like, I'm not fishing. I'm like a real.
1: Clear. I'm a. I'm a very comfortable with complimenting people. I am too, because I feel I'm that too. people don't get it enough. You want to know? I, not I, a genuine. No,
0: here. I heard this quote the other day. I'm about to blow your mind. It was so beautiful. Please. Maybe you've heard it before. It was, I'm going to give you your flowers regardless of if you water them.
1: Mm. Which is like,
0: I'm going to compliment you. That's bars. It's that so good. Can I use that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who said it, but just, I think it's so beautiful. That's I actually incredible. think I saw it on TikTok where it was like, I'm going to compliment you. And what you do with it is your business. Damn. So if you want to throw your flowers in the garbage, if you want to stomp on your flowers, ultimately, I can't control that. I wish you wouldn't because yeah. I just gave you this beautiful bouquet of flowers. But like, I'm going to compliment you regardless of how you feel about it. So you can either plant your flowers and water your flowers or, yeah, throw them in the trash.
1: And some people aren't ready for to take care of flowers. It's a stressful job. It is a stressful but job. But just smelling them before they threw them in the garbage mm-hmm. might have, like, made a tiny change.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think as women, we're taught that it's it's becoming to not take compliments.
1: Right. right? Oh. Please, that's very cultural.
0: Yeah, to do that, like, and it's weird if you go, thank you, I think I do look good, right? Or like, oh, thank you, I am hard. good at it's that It's hard thing. to
1: take a compliment.
0: It's very hard. Well, and especially when we've been actively conditioned not to.
1: Yeah. Especially girls from the Midwest. Shout out. I was I'm born Gills and raised and in shame. the Pacific Northwest. But yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and that experience of, we're like going back and forth and back and forth, but that experience of being raised in Nebraska, you've obviously talked a lot about it in your music. What do you feel like you hold on to about that experience? Mm. And what do you feel like you had to kind of let go?
1: I think the compound effect, again, love that book, but the consistency model and the work ethic is real. Yeah. Like, that will never leave. Like, if I'm ever in a bind or I feel, like, unproductive or, like, a creative block, I'm like, no. Eat a bowl of cereal and let's fucking go. <laughs> Eat some Cheerios. Let's Open, go. I'm reading one now. It's, this is not a new book, but it's The War of Art. Oh it's not the
0: art of war, it's the war of art. It's the
1: war of art because it's totally different. It's totally different. I did not know what to expect, but so many people recommended it to me. I was like, God damn it. So I got a little used copy. I try to buy (laughs) used books now because I'm like, I have so many books. So many books. I just I'm like, stop printing them. Um but I do love a physical book. But he, I don't have
0: an e-reader. I, I refuse. What is The that? world can be burning. are just like and I'm old like, no. school bitches. I just really, I love the smell. I love the feel. The and smell. I spend so much of my time on a screen. True. That like reading a book is my only, like one of my only breaks at this point. Yep. Because even if I watch TV, screen, right? Or yep. like listen to a podcast like you, you know, if you're not listening on YouTube, that's slightly different. I'm but,
1: glad that libraries are not completely gone. I know. They're the only thing we have left. Yeah. I mean, movie theaters are like, woohoo. but I like, know. Libraries are super important. So physical books. But The War of Art is actually about the resistance to being creative. Resistant?
0: What do you mean? Tell me more about that. So
1: if you're a creative person, sometimes just opening the laptop and writing for four hours a day is the hardest thing to do. The actual work. Mm -hmm. Like so many people in this town, in L.A., I I see them and they look gorgeous and they're out and about. And I'm like, what are you working on? And they're like, nothing. I didn't make anything this year. But I'm waiting for my label to the—you know, it's like, no, oh, no. No. I've always—that Nebraska flavor that I think is really, really valuable is that work ethic and, and yeah. just, like, the self-reliance, which can be a downfall, too, because I don't ask for help mm. enough, you know? Yep. But— um, The kind of martyrdom that But I that know way. that if I was in a bind, I could figure out a way. Hmm. Yeah. Every time.
0: Speaking of Liz Gilbert and what you just said— I think about what she says a lot around like perfectionism. Mm. Have you heard her speak about that? She yes. talks basically that like we mm-hmm. we have these labels of you know oh I'm a perfectionist and we think it's a good thing, <laughs> when in actuality like it's the killer. It's perfectionism. She said. I think her quote is perfectionism is fear and
1: stilettos.
0: Mm, that's right? cute. So it's like she would say that.
1: She needs to be a rapper. Cheese. <laughs> She's great. Lyricism.
0: I know. Like this, this concept of like you're so afraid of getting started, or you're so afraid that it has to be perfect, Mm. that nothing ends up getting produced. That's anyway.
1: That's what I see too often. Right. So I'm like, because we're too scared. Because it's
0: very, very, very vulnerable to produce anything.
1: Imagine be yeah. I mean, you're born on earth. You don't, we don't even know why we're here. And then you grow up with a talent <laughs> that you don't want to show anyone because mm-hmm. you're like, am I, you're sizing yourself up. You're like, am I pretty? Am I ugly? Am I the, am I, am I, is somebody smart? else
0: better than me?
1: Am I stupid? My, I, right. pa- I don't have rich parents. Am I ever going to make it? Like, ugh, right. there's too much. It's too much to think about. Should I get a boob job? We just keep going back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that, that going to get thing one? thinking okay. no. all the time. I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but it's it's, uh, it's a lot to consider, and I think that's where the resistance comes from. Yeah. Because you're like, well, it's easier for me to just, like, sit here and, like, be distracted on my phone.
0: Right, but then that feeling that, that comes in when you finally do put your phone away at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And you sit for the five minutes or hour before you fall asleep, and you're like, mm-hmm. And it's
1: really not that much time. Like, even if you do 15 minutes of focused work, to, work a day, right. it compounds. And after a year and a half, you have, like, three albums done. Mm. You do. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But there is that bravery and the vulnerability that you have to become okay with in order to release anything.
1: It's also stamina, again. Yeah. Being comfortable with being uncomfortable.
0: Right. Repeatedly. Yeah. It's like a muscle, right? So the, long, the more you're doing it, the more comfortable you get.
1: Which is why we love self-care mm-hmm. because you're going to be uncomfortable a lot. Yeah. And it's good to, like, learn how to self-soothe and talk to yourself in the right ways. Yeah. Because, babe, that's actually going to help you be productive.
0: So I've said on the podcast before, and I would love your thoughts about this, because you keep bringing up self-care, and I'm all about it. Ooh,
1: I loved your thing about um, wrap yourself up in a down blanket and look at your finances. Yeah, but remember at the beginning (sighs) of that episode,
0: I made a distinction, and I would love, you can disagree with me all you want, between Mm -hmm. self-care and Mm self-soothing.
1: Because
0: I think a lot of the Mm -hmm. self-soothing activities get branded as self-care, like the bubble baths and the face masks and the glass bottle of wine. You know, but it's like, those are the things that are so necessary but we do them in the moment mm. because we're trying to cope with something that happened. Right. right. Rather than, I, for me, self-care feels like the hard shit. Right. It's the shit that you do because you're trying to make your life better. It's temporarily uncomfortable. Yeah. So like going to therapy. hmm I know. I was Eating so resistant. Eating a salad. I was like, you don't want to eat a salad. Right. Yeah. Having a hard conversation with a friend. Like that for me feels like true self-care.
1: For sure. And so I, I just learned that this I'm like, oh, I learned this. Let me share it. I love it. Um, the actual invention of the term self care comes from a black queer woman of the I did 70s. Not know this. Tell me everything. I, this is fascinating to me. Her name is Audre Lorde. And her quote was this really exactly what we're saying caring for myself is not self indulgence, it is self preservation. And that is mm. an act of political warfare. I was like, you know, it's not the bubble mm. bass and the face masks and all this like whitewash commercialized, yes. yeah, no, this was activism.
0: Hmm. well, that's that's what I see money as And mm-hmm. people ask they're like, i don't I don't understand how money is political. And I'm like, well, you look for two seconds Keep and it that well, it's also in you know, a society that actively does not want you to have money mm. if you're a member of a marginalized group, yes, you having a financial foundation is is, is an act of, right it's an act of protest, protest. against a system that is actively trying to prevent you so from having So there we agency. go that's
1: that's the learn if you I didn't know that, that quote, Audrey Lord yes she is the reason that we say self-care and that's the original intent of the word
0: Right so it's yeah and even again in a capitalist bullshit society it's like self-care is now commercialized to the point where yeah it's it's shifted up our it's America we can sell everything. I know eggs and say, wellness right yes, the yes. wellness movement Yep which is a bunch of white
1: women at a group conference. If there's an opportunity to make money in America, it will yeah. happen. Yeah. So just just find people you vibe with that feels like their intention is pure because somebody could actually raise their vibration effectively and become more successful following one of those people that we're, you know, criticizing. But sure. it will often lead to even better role models and better writers and authors and activists. So right. it could be gateway. I think everybody does serve mm. a purpose. Even though they're not all super aware of why they're selling vagina eggs, <laughs> you know? candles
0: that smell like yes, my pussy. <laughs> um,
1: I mean, shit, that's something I would do. See, I can't does, even. Be- I actually
0: done. <gasps> I'm like, what? shit,
1: I, I should have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I know? have I have people um, DM me like, hey, I started this bit like this candle business a year ago, listening to Queen Herbie, and I'm so inspired, mm-hmm. and I made a million dollars.
0: You're like, where are my royalties off of that? No. Impre- no, but That's the, amazing, right? Yeah, that's actually. One of my biggest questions for you. The queen vibe is like confidence, getting money. Like I fucking love it. Thank you. What kind of relationship do you wish women had with money? And what is your relationship with money?
1: Mm. I had a document called Money, Honey, a spreadsheet. And I used to curl up in my cocoon and I used to look at that shit. Like Mm -hmm. I had the same instincts as you. That's why I was like, I need to be on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, I just, I agree. It's so powerful for you to just get close to it. I've had girlfriends who marry a guy because he says he's going to take care of them and they don't ever learn anything about money. And Way of course, that's going to end badly. Way more
0: than you think. Yeah. Like, it's still so It common. breaks
1: my heart. Yep. And I'm like, nope, this is my vibe. We literally, I have tweets from people every day, like, listening to your music has changed my life. I'm living the dream right now, you know, and I'm constantly still learning. I'm still not happy with where I am. I'm never going to stop. Um, but I do think that financial freedom comes from knowledge.
0: Is that what you want for women?
1: That's what I want for women. And I would love to see it in our lifetime when the gap is gone. Yeah. I would love to see that. I don't know if it's possible. We're, what they're do we get, like, 100 years? it's not possible. Not. So, yeah. Yeah. We I, mean, are- I
0: think pre-pandemic, it was, like, I think 82 years, depending. And I think now post-pandemic or, like, in the midst of coming out of the pandemic, mm-hmm. they're saying add 30, 40 years on top of that.
1: Really? Yeah. Really, they, they think it set us back.
0: Because specifically with, like, working moms. Mm, I like, think huge... Yep.
1: My friends quit their jobs to take care of their Huge kids.
0: Yep. fucking... Issue. Well, and, like, I think about in Seattle, I know Los Angeles has to be similar, if not worse. Daycare is the price of another, like, another mortgage or another rent payment.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I do love the seat. Look, I love a mom. I love somebody who's destined to be a mom, but, like, child-free... My child-free bitches, like, hey, that's I how we're gonna do it. One. Yeah, same. I think that's how we do it. How
0: we do what? What do you mean? How we close the gap? Having less children? I think so. Is that? I would argue that that puts it back on us, though. That it's like mm. you, like, it's our job to close a gap that isn't our fault in the first place. Just sure. like have
1: less children. Sure. You know, sure. if that's your dream, then you got to do it. Right. Oh, if you're supposed to be a mama, go.
0: Right. But then it's like. That Yeah, then it makes it on us of, like, then there's an added guilt to that decision potentially, sure. right? And but I think I mean, it's, it's much huge, more complicated. Children are very expensive. They are, 100%. Yeah. Like, we know statistically that, like, you are more likely to have money if you don't have children, right? right? But also, like, these gaps that exist are because mm. there's no paid family leave required in Correct. the United States, right? Or there's no—yeah, daycare is is $2,000 yeah. for one child for part-time care a month, right? Yeah. So— I feel like, hey, you didn't cause this gap, and now it's right. your job to fix it. But, right. like, getting right.
1: an IUD is, like, I don't know. Absolutely. You know? No, you're 100% right. This is why I was like, I know I'm going to learn something. Because <laughs> I'm over here, like, having anxiety at night and, like, you know, Googling, um, why do people choose to not have children? Because it's, it's scary. You're kind of—society expects us to do things and I've already broken out of so many things. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm 35. Like, I'm probably not going to have kids. And I'm like, how do I teach myself that that's okay? Yeah. And then what are the arguments for and against it? Right. And it is usually, well, you have more freedom, more money.
0: Well, and it's that that role you're expected to play. Right. I thought I wanted to be a mom for a really long time. Sure. And in the past couple of years, in my own learning, it was like, do I actually want to be a mother? Or mm-hmm. that is that expectation just on me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Of like... This is
1: what you're supposed to do. It's really hard to figure out which one it is. Is it me or is it society? And that's why I love Oprah, because she often <laughs> says like, no, I don't have any kids. I have like thousands of kids. Right. Because she sends girls to school. Right. She's a mentor. She, yeah. Right. That would be a much more favorable situation for me, I think. Me
0: too. Mm-hmm. Me too. I, like, also want to be the cool auntie who just, like, flew into I Paris. I know. <laughs> like, that's what I want to do is, like, come and, like, you know. I tell my siblings, I'm like,
1: if your kids ever get sick see, of I'm an, you, an only. I'm an only.
0: Send them to Gal. Oh, you are. I'm an only. I love that.
1: That's yeah. very powerful. That explains a lot. I, we could talk for hours about it.
0: But so, yeah, so you will get that option. If I get married or partner with somebody, like, I think one of my, like, secret requirements is, like, I need you to have siblings because, like— if I don't have
1: children, I need right. to have, like, a child adjacent. Someone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we don't need to get into this because this is, like, really deep. I went woo-woo, like, and I probably went too far. No, there's no such thing. We're not afraid of exploration and learning. No. But I one of my fans sent me a book about reincarnation because I'm like, look, what we're talking about all this other shit. Like, what happens to your soul? Like, I mm. do have weird dreams and um, I have some, like, some people say it's like what, clairvoyance and all these different things. I'm starting to uncover some of these gifts. Like if you, if you see an astrologer, they have a certain talent hmm. for this or like a psychic. And so I'm looking at past lives and I'm like, well, probably, definitely I had a dick at some point. But um, if you are meant to collide with a soul, like if you're meant to be a mother, even if it's not biologically yours or if it's just like more of a mentor relationship and it's very like mom, mom vibes, yeah. it's going to happen. Because hmm. our I do I do believe this, and this is in like the Christian upbringing too. I'm pretty sure, but we are sort of like destined for each other. Yeah. Whether you, you know, biologically have kids or not, they are going to find you. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Not where I expected this conversation. Exactly, yeah. Look at that. That's great advice. You are like the master of making the whole brand out of your vibe. Hmm. So you get the makeup line. You get your video content around your your aura cleansing and shit. It's great. I feel like. This is always just really, like, a smart move, but especially for women. Mm. Can you talk about owning your brand and developing something into, like, a whole vibe or a whole feeling?
1: Hmm. Absolutely. I think it wasn't until I became Queen Herbie that I started thinking this way, because I hmm. did the Queen spelling with a V. Right. And I was like, whoa. Why? I know why, but I want to I Yeah, why. I was, well— there's many reasons. Herbie is actually the mascot for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, mm-hmm. which is so cute. He's like this little guy that comes out with a corn. I'm like, okay. Oh, I just
0: think of Herbie fully loaded. That's
1: also great. Yeah, also I knew great. it was I my knew first car the origin was a, for you. It was but... a beetle. My first really? car in high school was a beetle. It was so bad. Yeah, <gasps> I felt very powerful. It's always been my brand, actually, to be like this quirky, loud, like bold person. Yeah. Unique person. But um, when I started seeing myself as a brand, it was actually a mentor that I picked up. Uh, the guy that lives in my building was like, hey, what you're doing is really brilliant. Like, can I give you some advice? And I was like, thank you. Hmm. And I had never had, definitely not like a straight man, like above the age of 50, help me with anything for free. Like he wanted nothing from me, but like some ideas for his thing. And I was like, oh yeah, I love like, and he's telling me like, you're actually good at this, right? This is not something I got from my parents or from anybody I knew. And he started teaching me about this and how to build it. And he was like, I see you more as a curator. You're not like developing products from the bottom and Building, you know, you're not designing like the shape of the tech device. You're 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 choosing something and kind of promoting it to your audience and being that conduit. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm gonna like mix the pigments in my kitchen and like the so we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did, and I was like, damn, we really needed that. Shout out to Queen Studio and Audrey, my babe, and like all my team in New York. They're incredible. Um, but it was a slow, it was a slow build that started five years ago as well. And we were mixing pigments in my kitchen. Like those countertops are stained forever. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to whoever lives there now. That red, the oh my god, red number forty. Because it also learning about vegan and and clean ingredients, and mm. then um, like FDA restrictions, and then what goes on the box, and yeah, it's too much for me now. But right. I but I have so much respect for it. So my advice would be well, and
0: managing all of that and coming up with it, and yes. again.
1: Fulfilling orders, yes, out of my house yes. for the first whatever six uh, six. So you're or putting eight those months, shipping
0: labels on those boxes
1: until you find a fulfillment center that you right, trust. It took right. three tries,
0: and you're paying them to yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's important to build it with somebody that has like as much fire, if not more fire, than you. Yeah. So I found a, my girlfriend Audrey, like really was like, "Hey, I had a horrible music career too. Let's do this," you know. Mm. And to this day, we're still building it. Um, so my advice would be. Don't try to do everything yourself, okay? Be ready to give away some ownership and, yes. and bring yes. bring a team into it. Make other people invest in it. Put it all on paper if you can. If you don't have a lawyer, just have an agreement, like an operating agreement, and get creative. Red lipstick for me is like instant confidence, and that's what mm-hmm. I'm selling. So that was a no-brainer. We did lips and lashes. That yep. was like, start small, right? And then, then expand. So then we started doing like eyewear and merch and now we're doing finally physical music. Vinyls is yeah. like a whole process of manufacturing. But I luckily learned Photoshop along the way. So I mm. am able to like put it together. Yeah. Um, you might need to hire a designer for that to make right. a logo. Like we luckily just were able to put it all together. And then over time you can expand to different categories. But make sure you have a clear vision of why you're doing it. Yeah. And enjoy it. Because it's just like anything else. It's going to take time. It's going to hurt sometimes and then you're going to celebrate every single little victory and you should you have to yep yeah i'm like if we don't crack open a bottle of champagne for this when we had this big month like we ha- we can't miss that right cuz that makes it the blow a little bit softer when you're like oh shit we just lost you know this 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 i don't know subscription box that we were supposed to do like there's right. so much that can go wrong
0: right okay so, yeah tiktok yeah what changed for you with tiktok we've mm. kind of like
1: danced around it because oh. for me
0: everything changed everything
1: yeah it's already evolved for me oh, now 100%. all of a sudden reels is like way better for me yep me too but this is how social media works how many platforms have you i mean for me it's it was youtube we had to figure out youtube in the early days and then it yep. got it was great and then it kind of got kind of not great and then instagram came out and we were like fuck we got to get good at this too and it was like Twitter well, and it was and like reels, this but too.
0: It's like a whole other thing. It's yeah. like a mini TikTok within Instagram. Yeah. So,
1: so the only thing that's why you're smart because you're building a community with your newsletter and you have people. Don't ever put all your eggs in one platform. Build and borrowed lands. Yeah. Yes, and if you go to TikTok and you get something, you get a we call it a vertical. If you get like me sitting in front of the microphone singing and putting the lyrics, that's a vertical and nail it. Vertical Nail it. meaning
0: like how it's shot.
1: No, we call it like a vertical, almost like a category, like a column oh, or like a like okay. a. I don't know why we call it that. And is that team, a
0: music industry term, or are you guys just call it? Might it might
1: be like a, like a social media marketing term. Like, well, my vertical is not you know singing on the microphone. My vertical is oh some no, I get that. Like some, your
0: um your niche. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Some people just
1: hold it in front of their face and say funny things Right. right, right, cut it awkwardly. Or they'll do crazy transitions or something. So mine was a microphone with the lyrics. And then all of a sudden— it's so simple and it's so so brilliant. So you nail it, nail it, nail it, and you start seeing a decline. What you do naturally, you don't take it personally. You then find a new vertical. So then I was like, oh, why don't we do these one-liners where I'm like, oh, my God, I could never wear that. And she was like, let me show you how to abracadabra these
0: bitches know I got you. Yep. That sound, that sound blew up. Well, because then you were like, let me produce sounds that other people can use,
1: which is because so smart. Because that's all TikTok is now. Right. It's like, well, let's inspire other people to be the star. Right. I don't care. As long as you stream my songs, I'm cool. I don't yeah. need to, don't need to yeah. be seen. No, it's smart. I don't want my video to be the biggest video. I want my sound to be used. Yeah. Because that translates to streams, which translates to money, which allows me to do more things. Right. So, well, and Sugar Daddy popped off. Very interestingly. So only in um, outside of America. Isn't this interesting? Because I got the
0: shit. Well, probably because I follow you. Still trickled. Sh- it, it trickled a bunch over of here. The Sugar Daddy but
1: it wasn't like a, we didn't get a plaque for that. I was expecting mm. to because it had like fifty million streams or something. Yeah. But you still were, could, right? They it were in Egypt happen. and Dubai and Brazil and Weird. Southeast Asia. Weird. Like they called it like the WAP of that region because they're a bit what more a compliment. conservative. Exactly. And I was like, wow, sexual mm. freedom is a thing right now. Love mm. that. Yep. Um. But then the new vertical, so that now we're pummeling that and we're like pummeling that. And now we're like, oh, we might need to come up with the next vertical. So just be ready to pivot. Yeah. But that's what TikTok has been. And then, dang, when Reels opened up and they they were like, now we're pushing, the algorithm is pushing Reels. I was like... Hey, team, why don't we just repost all That's the shit?
0: That's what sh- we do. We rip our TikToks, eliminate the, nobody, the TikTok logo. No one cares. Nobody, nobody one has
1: time to say, Tori, this video is clearly shot in August. No one cares. Is it good also, content or only not? only
0: five, I think it's two to five percent of people will even see your video.
1: And if you get new people
0: joining you all the time, you have a bunch of people who've never seen old videos. This is
1: why it's a mind fuck. Yeah. And you have to be comfortable getting repetitious yes. with your message. Because that's what the best of them do. Yes. And it makes your life a lot easier, takes the pressure off. Like, okay, every day I'm gonna tell them they're a bad bitch because that's what's working <laughs> and that's working. what gives me satisfaction. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, I appreciate the ego being eliminated from that too. Right. Cause I oh. think like a lot of artists, it's like, oh, I want to be known. As the person who created totally. this beautiful thing once. And
1: I can't keep repeating myself. Totally. Right? Oh, it's it's hard on the ego. It it takes a while to let go. Right. The book Letting Go. Yeah. Um, to let go of those expectations. And if you start trusting and allowing things to flow, then like the universe is going to be like, bitch, you're actually supposed to like cut your hair off and do that. <laughs> like I started wearing glasses. I'm like, I know, nobody glasses. wears glasses. You like, wear I love glasses wear. to the AMAs. I know. It's like, who does that? we fucking now, now people are thanking Are they prescription
0: people. glasses? They are. Good. Thank you. Thank you, because... I hate the fucking I'm like, if you have not had your glasses knocked off by a tetherball when yes. you were in third grade, you don't get to like co-opt them. The poor engineers have to like, because I'm screaming at uh. them. Like, no, it just drives me insane. I'm like, you don't get to comment here <laughs> this as a fucking like, fashion, fashion, fashion statement. Because I am, I cannot see.
1: I cannot see. Oh, the day, that, the day that I told my mom that I couldn't <laughs> see the chalkboard and she was like, oh, we're going to the eye doctor. I was like, Oh, no. Oh. But then I was like, wait, glasses are fucking cute. I love my
0: glasses now. I love them. But back then, God.
1: And then I was like, damn, I really do just like I think I look funkier and cooler. And like girls are less intimidated, Uh which is important because I talk to a lot of girls and I don't want them to be intimidated. I "I don't want to be too like pretty, pretty. It's like, ew. No, I have a message. Mm. So now people are like, thank you for normalizing glasses. And (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I think so many people have had trauma from feeling... Yeah, dorky with glasses, and I'm like, well, because yeah, you get
0: teased for it, and it's also like, it's such an inconvenience. It is. I'm running around in the Mm -hmm. gym cleaning them. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's a lot. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Glasses, glasses,
1: girls, glasses, (laughs) glasses, girl gang. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right,
0: what sort of experience do you want people, especially women, to have when they listen to your music?
1: I uh, visualize because this visualizing is important when you're creating art of any kind. You're like, all right, what is my intention? What do I want people to? But you have to, like, separate yourself from it. Right. And I'm like, damn, when someone turns on my music, oftentimes it is in the morning when they're, like, getting ready to go and start Mm -hmm. their day. Mm Because it's very, like, purpose-driven. Like, I want you to find your purpose. Right. I want them to discover themselves to my music. I want them to have the vibration of, wow, I'm a way better bitch than I ever thought. And as they're, like, putting on their makeup or just getting dressed, fashion is a huge thing for me. I'm like, that's how you express yourself and build courage and stamina for facing this world every day. You once said, I'm a well-dressed motherfucker. I sure did. Which
0: is still one of my favorite lyrics all time.
1: Uh, <laughs> and so <I'm> le- good. <laughs> and I'm learning now, like, I like to be cozy, too. So I'm trying to yeah. figure that out. I'm like, is that a brand? So it's, <laughs> The athleisure? Yes. Queen and I, Herbie. <laughs> and I want people to feel their self-worth at such a high level that mm. they can open their mind to these dreams that they might be suppressing. Because I was suppressed for so long. I know what it's like to pull back the onion layers. So when I make my songs, I don't write that many love songs. Because for me, the self-discovery and self-love is actually the key Hmm. to even manifest a relationship that's going to work.
0: Yeah. I'm all about actionable advice. Yeah. For you, if you're willing to share, what was that confidence journey? for your own, for, like, showing up. Because I feel like a bunch of people, is like, fake it till you make it. And I'm like, is it that? Yeah. Like, I, a lot of us, of course, we want to be confident. Yeah. Right? But either we exist, of course, in a society that actively is like, what, what are you doing? Mm. Right? Or it, it's just, like,
1: self-worth issues. Yeah. Well, even all the way back in high school... When You know, when you... It, it, no, oh, let's go back to... Let's take it back to fourth grade. Sure. Amy in Nebraska. And I was wearing Lion King shirt, Pocahontas. I was a... Diz, I'm still a Disney a adult, Mata-ta. which is so embarrassing. So the popular girl wanted to tell me that Disney shirts were stupid and that, like, I look like a, a little girl. Like It's like, when are you going to grow up and be sexy and cool like me? We're in fourth grade.
0: Shut up, Amber. I don't know your name.
1: Probably. Shut up, Amber. Yeah. So i like, Amber shit, I need to... I was like, I need to get some Doc Martens. I need to get... Or Airwalks is what I wanted. I really liked the more, like streetwear stuff. Sure. And so I went to what was it? Like probably back then, like TJ Maxx. I think that's what it was. Or yeah. Marshall's Marshall's. And yeah. I got cool girl clothes. And I was like, oh wow. Like I could also get Jenko jeans, which are like those crazy those are cool too. So I was like wearing skater shit. And I remember that that was my choice to be I was like, well, mm-hmm. well if I can't be a Disney girl, I'm going to be a grown up but I'm going to be unique. And so that was successful for me because I noticed that it worked and then Amber was no longer bothering me. But you were also shamed into this choice. I was. I was. I'm yeah. inspired by criticism. I am. Mm-hmm. I've had people tell me I can't do things and it makes me so... Oh, so you're so, like, I'm gonna fucking do it. Look at me now. It was like my my buddy... You're getting paper. My buddy was like, uh, I don't think this is a song you could do. I love him to death. Mm-hmm. but But he was like, maybe just sing it. I was like, oh, sing it? So that's why I did it, you right. know, so I'm motivated by that. And I think that's something you kind of have to be born with. But my advice would be, if you want more confidence, it's that stamina thing. Again, push yourself out of your comfort zone and just go for it. See see how people receive it. People will be jealous and criticize you and all these things, too. I feel like it's easier today than ever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, because you can hide behind anonymity. For sure. And you can also see somebody out there killing it as a reflection that you have not taken a sort of vulnerable leap, mm, right? Mm. You see somebody else's success potentially as criticism of your lack of pursuit yep. of something. Mm. Right.
1: If you need confidence, go to a drag a drag show. It's <laughs> great advice. You will be so inspired. <laughs> That's fucking great I'm, advice. I am endlessly inspired by drag artists. Yeah. Yep. Appreciate you. Thank Anything you for having me. No, add? it's looking incredible wow 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 wow
0: wow i don't know what else to say that we didn't cover in that episode special thanks to queen herbie for joining me and being one of our biggest cheerleaders at her first 100k and financial feminist i had a full multiple fangirl moments in this interview but one of the coolest moments just in general just in life is when you have someone whose work you admire tell you that they admire your work (laughs) very very flattering and I just appreciated her deep vulnerability we we had some potentially really uncomfortable conversations and something that you know we're continuing both of us to navigate as individuals and of course we are all navigating as a collective society and so I really appreciated her coming on and just being so transparent with all of this. You'll frequently also see her in our comment section <laughs> because she's just so supportive. So please make sure and give her and her music some love. She's at queen Herbie on all the socials and queen is spelled with a V as opposed to a U. So Q V E E N. You can follow her on Instagram and TikTok. listen to her music wherever you listen and then bonus points always if you buy it. And we've got links to her YouTube and other social channels, as well as queen studio, her makeup line in the show notes. We will see you back here every Tuesday with new guest episodes and every other Thursday for many episodes with me. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review Financial Feminist. That is the easiest way to support us is hitting the subscribe button so you make sure to not miss an episode. We so appreciate, as always, your support and coming back every single week for conversations like this. Can't wait to see you next week, Financial Feminists. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Financial Feminist, a Her First 100K podcast. Financial Feminist is hosted by me, Tori Dunlap, Produced by Kristen Fields. Marketing and administration by Karina Patel, Olivia Koning, Sharice Wade, Alina Hilzer, Paulina Isaac, Sophia Cohen, Valerie Oresco, Jack Koning, and Anna Alexandra. Research by Ariel Johnson. Audio engineering by Austin Fields. Promotional graphics by Mary Stratton. Photography by Sarah Wolfe. And theme music by Jonah Cohen Sound. A huge thanks to the entire Her First 100K team and community for supporting the show. For more information about Financial Feminist, her first hundred K, our guests, episode show notes, and our upcoming book, also titled Financial Feminist,
1: visit herfirsthundredk.com.